This is NetSweepers Inside the Sweeps podcast. I'm your host, Allison Bussey, and today we have our special guest host, John Robb, who sat down with Nick Finch, one of our UK clients from Co-op Academies Trust. Their discussion will focus on OnGuard, NetSweepers' human-moderated digital safeguarding solution that supports Co-op Academies' ongoing support of their students with safeguarding challenges such as mental health. On our Inside the Sweeps podcast, my name is John Robb. I'm the Vice President of Marketing at NetSweeper. And joining us today is Nick Finch of Co-op Academies Trust. Nick, can you give us a little background on yourself and tell us about your role as regional lead with the responsibility for safeguarding? Yeah, sure. Hi, thanks for having me on. Great to be here. So yeah, I've got 18 years experience working in education sector as a teacher and safeguarding lead. Currently, one of the regional leads for Cognitive Academies Trust. I work alongside two other regional-based colleagues and we support all of our DSLs and head teachers with all safeguarding matters across the trust. So currently we are 30 academies, but we're growing uh, and we offer support and advice to our academies and DSLs on how to quite simply keep pupils in our care safe. Well, I can imagine if you've been involved in this for over 18 years, you have seen a change and a recognition that managing mental health or helping with mental health is an important consideration, especially as you shift in technology and more of their day-to-day is happening in a virtual or computer environment. So what kind of problems has Co-op Academies Trust identified and are trying to solve using a safeguarding solution like OnGuard? Sure. I mean, you know, COVID lockdown has accelerated everything but really learning from home and accessing learning materials for homework and for assignment has been an upward trend in schools for a significant length of time and remote learning is fantastic but it also presents significant safeguarding challenges so you know stuff like how do we know who's accessing a device a school device particularly how do we know they're accessing appropriate material and you touched on mental health there and that's something that most schools and teachers and parents worry about especially with social media that can spread worry and negative views probably more quickly than it spreads positive ones and positive experiences so as a trust we needed a solution that could provide us with a really fast and efficient way of monitoring our people devices so you know it couldn't be intrusive to the people experience because we can want to slow them down with their learning but it would alert us to potential safeguarding concerns and in that way our trained dsls and support staff can offer support and protection in cases where it was needed we needed a system that was 24 7 and 365 we needed a system that could be configured to our needs and, our, and the workflows that we have internally we needed a system that could weed out false positives and so we just end up with a kernel of verified safeguarding concerns or potential safeguarding concerns so that our dsls can review those and they're not spending unnecessary time sorting out real problems from false positives. And lastly, we needed a solution that gave us human monitoring as well and human alerting because AI is great. It's amazing and it reduces our workload significantly, but we don't want to rely on it completely. We want to have human intervention to make those critical calls and especially if it comes to potentially immediate safeguarding concerns. So we're going to come back to AI and human review a little bit later because I think it's an important consideration as you're looking to scale. You're currently at 30 schools. As you scale up, the problem grows exponentially as you added more schools. So we'll come to that a little bit later. During your evaluation, you established set of criteria. These are the things that we needed to do. Human review, ease of use, dashboard, human review. And as a result, you ended up selecting NetSweeper for that. Did you look at other solutions and you just found that there were some gaps there? Or was it the fact that there might be some customization required? What were the driving factors that directed you towards NetSweeper versus another solution? Yeah, sure. I mean, you're 
you're right. I think it was ability to, to customize or, or at least, you know, sort of get the processes, the system to, to fit our processes as, as closely as possible. So it wasn't purely something that was just off the shelf. From our point of view, without safeguarding hats on, you know, and from looking out from our DSL's perspective, because we wanted their workflows to be as simple as possible because we want to facilitate them protecting our children rather than put any barriers in the way. So we had to have a system that was able to alert effectively and we wanted the experience for DSLs to be intuitive and easy to navigate. And that was something that from day one was really clear that OnGuard you know, could do. The dashboard is really simple to understand, but actually at the same time, just through a few clicks of a button, there's a whole wealth of information that you can drill down into. So things like logging in are really simple. We're a Academy's Trust, a Google environment, so our DSLs can simply log in by one click of a button. And also, you know, we have a range of devices that our pupils use, whether that be workstations, tablets, Chromebooks, laptops, and they're you know, working across different operating systems and applications. So we needed a complete solution that could go across multiple platforms that was easy to use, and OnGuard gave us that. I know that in a previous conversation with one of your colleagues, Jim Fessy, he talked about that partnership and how important that was for the ongoing improvement for your solution. Because even from the very beginning, your idea was, how do we make this work in our environment? So you're going to take an off-the-shelf product, and then you have to make it work in your environment based on your unique needs. And because we were a partner on this project, we were able then to help guide some of those integrations to make it more meaningful in your implementation. Now, something you just said there, which I thought was interesting, was in the beginning, when you would get an alert, there was perhaps a notion of, is it really an alert? And do we need to go and do with it? That's sort of a function of an AI-based alert, where you're not always sure, is this really a genuine alert? When you add in the human review, now you're at a point where you're saying, ah, if we get it, we need to act on it. That's what I'm seeing as I listen to you explain this to me. Do you want to expand on that a little bit and how you're perceiving that? Yeah, definitely. I think working with the human review team has, has been crucial, you know, in term, both in terms of getting you know, reduction of those false positives, it's using the intelligence that we have and that they have to understand what's positive and what's not. But we, yeah, we've, we've moved on a stage from that now, essentially. So the essential ingredient for us, I can mention this again a bit later on as well, but having the human review team is that it's great to have them there because we know that anything that's potentially an immediate safeguarding concern is picked up straight away. Our DSLs and support staff are really busy, as we all are in schools. The, you know, DSLs are really at their desks because they tend to be dealing with incidents and supporting children and families. So it's it is possible that an immediate safeguarding concern that comes through as an alert is not necessarily picked up straight away if they're not at their workstation. But actually with, with the human review team now, that is something that, that can't happen. That you guys have got our telephone numbers, you've got the DSL contact numbers, emails, you've even got you know, my details and my regional colleagues' details and, and you'll call and call and keep calling until you get a response. So it's moved on from that to being able to train the AI, so to speak, to this invaluable service whereby actually if something, if we need to know something and it's it, it's a real red flag, we are going to get that message you know, within minutes, certainly within, within an hour or so and we can take action so it's literally helping to protect vulnerable children and i can think of a couple of cases that i'm personally aware of and i know this will be replicated in other regions as well where the pupils you know we've had these sorts of alerts and, and the human monitoring team has, has, has given us a call about it and actually you know, if these individuals weren't on our radar particularly and weren't known to support services so we've got that demonstrable evidence of, of safeguarding in action and, and even more exciting it's been at a preventive stage you know we've stopped something from happening as opposed to having to react to it you know, after that traumatic event's taken place so there's a couple of things there that we might want to talk about is one, you're seeing the human review, not just as the review part, but as an extension of your safeguarding team to give you that added layer of emphasis. If somebody isn't at their machine, they're going to get a phone call if it's a really high priority and that's helping you address those situations faster. And you mentioned early detection, early prevention. That's part of that solution, I would imagine, that if you can get to them sooner, it's before the crisis happens, which is much harder to deal with. You want to know when it's a bullying concern, say, and then you can address it as, OK, 
okay, hang on, maybe we need to find different language or however you manage that. But that's what I'm hearing you say is how you're incorporating this into your day-to-day. Do I have that about right? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's about, as you say, having that service, having that relationship with human review team, you know, knowing and relying on, not relying on as such, but knowing that if that call comes through, then you know, we need to act on that. And that's invaluable to know it's there and that it works. And I think in conjunction with that as well, it's, it's you know, having the, the different categories and the, and the priorities, you know, one, two, three of those categories. DSLs can plan their day and their week around responding to those alerts because obviously we'd like to respond to every single alert immediately. That's not practical in, in, in reality. So what DSLs can do is respond to the most immediate concerns with immediacy and then schedule their day or their week to, to go through an action or delegate the other tasks as well. Prioritization is obviously key. Some alerts are more important or more timely, maybe not more important, but more timely. There's more or less time to take action on a given alert based on its priority level. And doing this early detection, early prevention, part of your process is to engage with the relevant people around the pupil, whether it's teachers, staff, or their parents. Have you been engaged with parents and had some feedback on them? And what has that response been like? Yeah, absolutely. So if I think about the couple of examples which I've touched on before, so they were immediate safeguarding concerns, they were related to mental health or poor mental health, potential suicide or suicidal isolation. And this was with regards to a couple of pupils who actually hadn't met any of our thresholds previously and were going through a tough time and, and were therefore you know, looking for information on the internet, port services or, or other searches, which in some way alerted us to the fact there could be a concern there. So that was followed up in the correct way. And indeed, you know, there was an underlying concern and reasons for that. So to answer your question in terms of working with parents or notifying parents, that was, you know, really really crucial for us because you know clearly we spot the child first but then the parent needs to know so straight away as, as soon as possible parents were alerted to be honest with you yeah, their reaction has been why we do this job they wouldn't have known either they were so appreciative of that support that they received and the information they received you know the, the two academies involved were able to work with those children and those families to put support in place so glad to say it's been a happy ending for both and i, I don't think you can really sort of put a you know, better perspective on things than that really so yeah the parents have just been over the moon as have we that the system's worked that's why we do this right is yeah. we're doing this in order to make sure that everybody gets the education they need and gets the help that they need. And here's a concrete example where there was some issues. It was clearly identified. The proper people were engaged. And we went from a potential crisis to receiving the help that people needs. The parents are included in part of that process. And you touched on something there very briefly that I think is important to remember. So much of the day-to-day for pupils now is online. And online is essentially quiet. You don't hear it, right? When kids are out on the playground and they're bullying each other, you can see it, you can hear it, it's easy to identify and you can do something about it. When those behaviors happen online, it's really hard to identify that. And you said the parents didn't know, not because they weren't being good parents, they just, that stuff happens in a place that they don't see. Absolutely. Yeah. And for a reason, because the, the children themselves didn't want the parents to know. They weren't you know, in a good place and weren't necessarily thinking in the best way that to keep themselves safe. And that's no criticism of, of those pupils or the parents either, as you say. But yeah, you know, these things, you know, on, online behavior can go unnoticed, can't it? And, and that's sometimes the attraction of it. I think the other thing that's really, really interesting to point out is that with online activity that can be monitored and tracked, uh, you're particularly using something like the OnGuard dashboard, it brings out themes for us that we would possibly have probably have known about, but, you know, we can actually put numbers to it. So I'm thinking of a, of a, a recent trend. It's probably a, a global trend, but it's certainly something that's, that's trending in the UK recently, which is around misogyny and, and various sort of misogynistic uh, websites and influencers, etc., who may be around. And that is something which OnGuard is picking up. You know, when pupils are, perhaps they've signed up to an email newsletter, they wouldn't necessarily have known they would have done otherwise, or they're searching for certain types of information related to this activity on the internet. And, you know, and very often it can be out of academic curiosity as opposed to anything untoward. But nonetheless, it gives us a picture of actually how widespread these things can be. And so in the past where we might have, you know, 
weren't known and suspected it was going on, what we can actually see is, is how prevalent it is. And therefore, you know, the academies that are affected by it the most can put things in place to support their pupils and, and you know, put education programmes in place to, to think about these things in the right way. And that's been really, really interesting and really, really useful. Something I, I hear you talking about is the fact that there are sometimes online behaviours that in isolation may not be perceived as being something that you need to deal with in a broader sense. A visit or a view or an activity is different than a series of visits, views spread across multiple people that lead you to believe, ah, there is something happening here, a trend as you might call it. And you identified earlier misogyny as something that there's some something happening, you're not quite sure exactly what it is, but the dashboard is allowing you now to see some of this in a broader sense that while you're not necessarily going to take action on an individual pupil, you may choose messaging inside of your school or academies to address that in a way that's more helpful and meaningful? Yeah, absolutely. As, as you say, it's about if you're noticing that there's a pattern there or academy notices the pattern, then, then it's about it's doing something about that. You know, it's efficient use of time then as well, isn't it? Because you're not, you know, to use the phrase, we're not going to use a sledgehammer to crack a nut. So there might be, there'll be certain groups of pupils who actually a conversation with is, is what's needed. You know, there might be other aspects, other situations where, you know, we need to put something that's more into the curriculum to discuss these sorts of matters. Yeah, there could be certain examples. It's even more serious. So we actually need to think about other support mechanisms to intervene in, the, in this way. And actually, again, that's, this is where OnGuard's come in really useful because the information that's contained on an alert in terms of the contextual information that comes through from the actual web page or from the screen capture allows you to actually make an informed decision about what sort of search has this been. So is it sort of relatively low level concern? We can deal with it in, in a certain way or maybe as a, as a group situation or a whole school situation. Is it something that needs a bit more of intensive support? So yeah, it's been really useful for that as well. Well, I'm very happy to hear that it's being useful. That's why we make the solution is to have that positive impact. Overall, is there anything that you want to say about your experience with On Guard that you think somebody listening to this would appreciate hearing? Yeah, I mean, I guess a couple of things, well, more than a couple. So with my own regional lead trust perspective on, I like the ability that I can see all of my On Guard data across the trust in one dashboard. So I've got oversight of all those academies if I want to have it. More importantly than that, I think on a daily basis, I can actually offer support myself and my colleagues can offer support to DSLs. You know, we're seeing the same information as they have. So that facilitates working together so much more. We can even provide cover for each other. So if it's the school holidays, for example, someone like myself as a regional lead would tend to be the point of contact for an on guard for the human review team, for example. That's been really useful. From a teacher's perspective, I mean, you know, teachers have a duty of care and responsibility to safeguard their pupils. That stands to reason. But teachers want to teach. They want to impart knowledge and learning on their pupils from the start of the day till when they go home in the afternoon. And I think knowing that on guard is in place, you know, along with associated other web filtering platforms that we use, it means actually the teachers have got one less thing to worry about. So they so they don't have to worry about as much about child protection. They know that on guard's got their backs, the DSL's got their backs, uh, and actually they can concentrate on what they're there to do or want to do, which is to teach. And I think that's really important. From a trust perspective as well, I think it's been a pleasure to work with on guard from day one, been re entirely responsive to our needs. And that's you know, from scoping out initially what we wanted through to the implementation side of things and then to the, sort of the business as usual model that we've got now. Technical support has always been on hand. Yeah, I'm glad to say we've not needed technical support too often, but when they have been needed, it's been really, really quick to respond and, and possibly the, you know, the friendliest bunch of people in, in North America and Europe to deal with. And same for the human review team, dedicated, approachable, you're really professional. I mean, some of, some of the guys, they support the wrong soccer teams, but you know, we'll gloss over that. 
um, it's just been you know, really you know, good to deal with and, and really positive experience. So is there, as we wrap up, this information has been super helpful. Really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Is there anything like a recommendation, like a single kind of thing that you would say to somebody that's considering on guard that they should be thinking about? I think it's about what, you know, get you, a system that works for your academy or for your trust. What are those needs? I think for us, we need something that was dependable and, you know, robust. And on top of that, and this has been essential, we've talked about it a few times today, having that human review team in place to, to really, you know, get the system working, working for us, you know, giving us that confidence that the alerts coming through are, you know, we need to deal with those. And then obviously in terms of the actual, you know, the most serious uh, potential alerts, you're getting those phone calls and getting people on to you know, taking action straight away. has been amazing. And there's at least two, but there are plenty more examples where we've actually made a real uh, demonstrable impact on children's safeguarding and children's safety. And, and that's that's what it's all about. So, you know, get a system in place that does those things simply, robustly, and then that's exactly what God does. Well, that's really great. And I will uh, add in something that we learned in another conversation we had around mental health. And it's when people do find themselves in those situations, there's frequently an invitation to help. And On Guard provides access to that invitation vis-a-vis the visit to a certain website or some type of a thing that they're writing online. And that becomes that invitation to help. And you then take over, your team takes over and gets the people the help that they need. And that's definitely a good thing. I'm glad that Co-op Academy's Trust has people like you on board to help their pupils get the help that they need because we know that it's not always easy and finding a way to make it easier is probably a good thing. So thank you very much, Nick. I really appreciate it. And let's keep helping the pupils uh, have a better chance at a good education. Absolutely. I really appreciate your time. And yeah, thanks for having me. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Inside the Sweeps. If you want to hear more, check out our previous episodes on Spotify or Google Podcasts and hit subscribe. Stay up to date on all news related to NetSweeper. Head over to our website, netsweeper.com, or give us a follow on any of our social platforms. You can find us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. Once again, thank you for listening. Until next time.